Oh, good morning and good afternoon to your Star Trek fans. This be your captain from the USS Shalele, brimming to you live on this here St. Patty's Day, coming to you as we take a look at the Enterprise episode. And I got me first officer, Commander Brennan the Mystical Mar. Brennan, how be you doing on this fine day? Only me can hear you, so be careful. You you mean the most important man in Starfleet history? The most important man in Starfleet history. Would, would he be disappointed? He'd beat you up. <laughs> That's only after he suffers for at least five more episodes. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my apologies to the country of Ireland and the maybe half listener we have in Ireland. Speaking of Ireland... <laughs> There were five Irish nominees at the Oscars, which was this last Sunday. I know. And the reason I bring up the Oscars is for a couple of reasons. Number one, In Memoriam mentioned, among other Star Trek alumni, Michelle Nichols, Mm -hmm. Louise Fletcher, and Kirstie Alley. Yep. Diane Warren was nominated for her 14th Academy Award. Mm Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, she wrote the song Frank of the Heart for Star Trek Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And the big one, the the elephant in the room, the incredible, the incomparable, Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, big congratulations to Captain Giorgio. Or we are find you Empress Giorgio. <laughs> we are so happy that she won. I was just mm-hmm. I was stoked, but I thought back to it. I can't think of too many uh um actors or actresses who won Oscars and have been a part of the Star Trek franchise as a major piece. Mm-hmm. I do know F. Murray Abraham, obviously yes, villain to to uh uh, 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 the last start insurrection. Thank you. Uh, and now Michelle Yeoh. I couldn't think of any other major actors. Again, there have been minor guests from a rare time to time, but uh, I couldn't think of anybody else. And this is the first captain, I think, who has won an Oscar. I believe you are correct. Yeah, yeah it's it's uh, a great accomplishment and a female and an Asian captain yes. at that. That just. Yes. I love that. And Michelle, so, yeah. of course, been acting for many years. Mm-hmm. He hit the jackpot this year, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, you know what? No, I take that back. I can think of a couple more really quick, oh. you know, and then we'll move on. Joel Gray. Yes, yes. Joel Gray was in a episode of Voyager. That's right, he was. Uh, Louise Fletcher, who was honored oh, this year. I can't How do believe I forget I Louise Fletcher? I know, right? Who is, in my opinion, the second greatest Star Trek villain of all time. Oh, Kai Wynn. Yeah, Goldicott, Kai Wynn. one of the most evil duos in Star Trek history. Yeah. F. Murray. And then, I feel bad that I didn't say this right, but uh, Whoopi. Of course. That's right. Christopher Plummer. Of course, he wasn't an Oscar winner when he came in. Nope, but he did later for Beginners. Yes, and so many other nominees who have been a part of 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 Oscar history. And, You're absolutely uh, I, right. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. Paul Winfield, Paul Winfield, oh, yes, just the great Paul right Winfield. out there. Yeah. Brad Dorif, Brad Dorif, 
I can't believe I overlooked that one. I know. You, Terry Gar. Can't forget Terry Gar. That's Oscar, right. Oscar, Alfrey Woodard. I mean, again, That's Dean right. Stockwell. That's Dean right. Stockwell was an Oscar nominee. So we That's go right on and on, on and on. But in terms of winners, there are very few. Very, very few. But the first captain. First captain to win. Uh, unless you count Chang. Uh, but mm. uh, Klingon commander, in my opinion, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're going back to the NX-01 uh, Star Trek Enterprise episode two of season three anomaly now this mm. is the season that i really 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 strongly feel enterprise got good mm -hmm. very good um and unfortunately this is like reviewing ds9 where this is very arc based mm -hmm. it's very kind of difficult for us to go back but i'll give you the heads up kind of on this one so planet earth was attacked the state of Florida was carved up like a turkey, uh, and it resulted in the death of many millions of, of, of Earth citizens. Yes. Including Charles Tucker III's sister. That's right. Which affects him this entire season. As it, um, as it should. Yeah, it does. Uh, so the Enterprise, we know that it is a species known as the Zindi who attacked. We don't know why or what's going on, but the Enterprise is sent to not only investigate, but to take care of the Zindi threat. To travel the Enterprise, deep into their territory. The Enterprise goes from being a scientific exploration vessel to a military vessel. Yes, including Marines. Yes, course. Makos. This is our first appearance uh, can canonically of Makos and, and Starfleet. Uh, well, this not this episode. Well, Makos stands for... Military Armed Combat Operations. Okay. Ooh, if that's right, hold on. Mako, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to double check me, but I think that's right. Military Assault Command Operations. Ooh, you're so close. I was so close. Ooh. They wouldn't have given it to you in the showdown. No, they wouldn't have, but I will take my where mm -hmm. I can get it. Anyway, um, so yeah, so this is that first episode in after, after that initial uh, experience. Uh, so the Enterprise begins traveling through what's known as the Delphic Expanse, and the ship is heavily damaged by spatial anomalies. Uh, primary systems are offline, uh, so Ensign Mayweather sees another ship, but there are no life signs aboard. Uh, Archer leads Reed and a couple of Makos onto that ship to kind of figure out what's going on, and they discover all the crew was dead. They take what they can from this dead ship uh, and return and go on their merry way as best they can. But shortly after that, another vessel approaches Enterprise and a group of aliens being bored. Basically, raiding too it. damaged to do anything. They raid it like pirates. So, food, weapons, uh, equipment are all heavily stolen. Um, now, the crew eventually fights them off, uh, and one of the aliens is captured. Archer's hopes are to find these stolen items, but. Uh, the species, the Asarians who uh, attacked, mass their, their ion trail. He con convinces, convinces uh, the, the man they captured, his name is Orgoth, uh, to give him the information. We'll talk about convincing in a bit. Um, so Orgoth explains that they were traitor, these were traitors attempting to find a new trade route, but they were hit by spatial anomalies. Uh, and they've been unable to leave, and so they've resorted to piracy. Uh, the crew eventually do track the Asarian vessel, and they find a giant sphere. Now, 
if you're familiar with Star Trek history, we remember the Dyson Sphere in Relics mm, in season yes, six. Yes. This is bigger. It's bigger. Is it bigger? It is bigger. And it is cloaked. It is cleverly cloaked. Um, because this, See, yeah, the other thing mistaken, it comes, it's bigger, yeah. The Dyson Sphere was surrounding basically an basically one AU. This is something they were they were discussing in later episodes. It is when you compare the two, it is bigger. Um, because they're not using interesting. A, yeah. Uh I don't I believe they're going with a standard yellow sun in, in the Dyson sphere, I think. Uh and this this does not have a sun in it. It is completely artificial, but we don't know anything else about it. Um, so the the away team um go into this sphere, Archer and his away team discover uh habitat with most of the stolen items. This is where they've been kind of dumping everything. Uh they find a cargo manifest and learn that they've been also uh they attacked a Zindi ship. Uh, this particular sphere is described as 19 kilometers in diameter. Is it? I thought it was bigger. Yeah, a a Dyson sphere would be it's a sun, it's it's a sun. between Earth and the Sun. Really? Yeah, huh. that's how big a Dyson sphere would be with the with the yellow sun. Forgive your captain. Math is not his specialty. Yeah, it says in the episode 19 kilometers in diameter. Okay. Uh anyway, so it's possible that they encountered larger ones later. That's possible. Okay, that may be where I'm getting that from yeah. then. Because yeah. this is not the only one. Heads up, spoiler yeah. throughout the mm -hmm. season. We discover what these are. There are more. Mm -hmm. Uh so they find out they've attacked his indie ship. Archer confronts the Orgoth wanting to know everything. Um, Orgoth does reveal uh, they downloaded the Zindi database and he provides the access codes to the computer. When the ship returns, they do a couple of maneuvers to get, uh, they end up getting 90% of the enemy database uh, and go off. Uh, Archer sends Orgoth back and goes off uh, deeper in, and they go deeper into the expanse and the episode ends. Now, while it seems this episode stops abruptly, it actually does some pretty interesting things that I would say we haven't seen since Captain Sisko. Mm. And that's a captain willing to go mm. to lengths that normally a Starfleet captain would not do. Yeah, you got it. So this is one of the things I like. So let's start on that. Let's talk about Archer. But mm. up to this point, wouldn't you describe Archer as truly the 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 uh explorer, the the frontiersman? Accountable. Yeah. He's a cow. Well, while Kirk is a cowboy, I think Archer. Archer is like Lewis and Clark. Yeah, there you go. There you you go. know, he's a diplomat. He's he's not a fighter. He can when he needs to be, but he, it's not him. That's not his thing. Well, stop, man. Doesn't um, always make the best decisions when it comes to exploring, but true. true. But since but he, they're it, taking their first steps into the galaxy, this mission, this mission right off the bat feels personal. When mm -hmm. it comes to Archer, Archer's a different man in this episode than we've ever seen before. This is a man who attempts barbaric uh, uh, um, interrogation techniques to get information. He oh. takes this man Orgoth, who's in the brig, who Orgoth calls him out and says, "You're you wouldn't do anything." You're, you're, what's the point of giving you an interview? You're not going to do a damn You're thing. too civilized. Exactly. 
you're too civilized. He takes him to the airlock, locks him in the airlock, and begins depressurizing the airlock to mm. make him talk. Which we saw Khan do to Kirk. Yes. In the original series. We did. But this also reminds me of um of uh Equinox, part two of Equinox and Voyager, oh. when Janeway left uh that crewman in the cargo bay. Oh. I mean you, you get what I mean what my memory of this? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. These are captains that are willing to go to any lengths to take care of their mission. Like Cisco willing to kill a Romulan. Get the Romulans to enter a treaty with the Federation. I can live with it. Yep. As he but, says. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a side of Archer we've never seen, and I was so surprised by this. Like, all of his decisions are very much driven on the lines. He almost is hitting that Ahab level. Mm-hmm. He's falling into the path that we've seen with Khan, that we have seen with Picard. He's falling into it. Yes, and I indeed. will say through this season that continues to play out. You know, but the motivation for him feels real. We watched in the previous episode Earth get attacked. We've never seen that in Star Trek. Not like mm. this. We watch a, a tiny sphere appear outside Earth's orbit and literally carve a, carve a trench up the up the uh, Florida coast, mm-hmm. just slice it, killing millions of people. Like we've never seen this in Star Trek, and I think this freaked everybody out. And seeing Archer already willing to go to these stakes is really fascinating. And I'm really surprised that his first officer to Paul would allow this, or his doctor. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he, he tell me, is he not compromised? Well, it's funny because we talk about Vulcans being so enlightened. Mm-hmm. I think that even the most enlightened people, when push comes to shove, um, be willing to go do some pretty crazy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, but he, the the reasoning, the logic that he gives makes sense from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. He's trying to. Pre- we know that there could be more out there. This weapon could be out there again. It has to be stopped. What they don't know is that another version of the weapon is being built, only bigger. <laughs> I think think. Luke Skywalker destroyed, helped destroy two Death Stars. Mm-hmm. Imagine Starkiller Base. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming. Earth got attacked by the Death Star. Starkiller Base is being built. Mm-hmm. And that's what's at risk. That's what's yep. at stake. And I, I just, I, I love Archer in this. How, what are your feelings of Archer as, as we see him in this much darker tone? Well, one thing I, I, I really feel very strongly is that if a character makes a decision that you as the audience don't like, it doesn't necessarily reflect on the writers. Also, the idea that 
the that just because the character makes a decision that is unethical that they would not normally do right does not mean that they wouldn't because we all know as a species what we are willing to do when we're pushed to the limit mm -hmm. and Archer has been pushed to the limit and is willing to compromise his morality. And I think it's perfectly in keeping with the character at this point mm -hmm. in his journey as a character. Right. There, now let's consider the Zindi attacking Earth Unlike 9-11, what were Americans willing to do mm -hmm. and to justify in the years right after? Archer is only doing the same. Yeah. Uh, so I think I like where this goes with this character. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me. Absolutely. But he is not the only one that's traumatized. I love that. Mm. Because we also have Trip. Trip. Oh, yes. As I mentioned, he lost personal. his sister. It's very personal. It's personal for him. I think it's personal for the entire crew. I do. But that deeper connection with it's him. It's the difference his... between me, who didn't know anybody personally who died in 9 11, versus Jerry, uh, versus Kelsey Granner. Who knew the showrunner of Frasier right. was killed on 9-11. Or even someone who loses, say, a family member on 9-11. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what that's like. But I know yeah. that looking back all those 20 years ago, 20, 21 years ago, um, I was traumatized too. Mm-hmm. Even though nobody I knew died. <laughs> yeah. So how much harder must it be when tragedy strikes someone you do know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's it's heavy. It is very heavy. And his 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 um fears make so much sense. And he he um trips problems manifest as difficulty sleeping mm -hmm. he only sleeps as i believe he said about an hour and, and flox has a few remedies oh boy so flox recommends although i think it was recommended before to him uh mm -hmm. vulcan vulcan uh acupressure vulcan nerve, nerve pressure, Neuropressure. Yeah. yeah um he's a little uncomfortable with this idea because mm. it would require him to disrobe and they would be practically naked doing this with to paul mm -hmm. with to paul now i think what we already have seen is a little bit of that sexual chemistry between tucker and to paul it's already there yeah we've seen this we've puts seen it. it into the forefront this puts it right there and this starts that that path this season that we're going to see of the relationship between to Paul and Trip, mm -hmm. um, but you, you which will you take some very interesting twists and turns. Mm -hmm. 
But you see an interesting dynamic where this is a guy who doesn't know how to deal with it. La last time we talked about PTSD, he suffered mm. from PTSD here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, he cannot sleep. Insomnia is a symptom of PTSD. Yep. Absolutely and, and is. I, having had, not as severely as some, but having had it myself, mm -hmm. I didn't experience, you know, in, in the inability to sleep. Right. But certainly, I felt tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was not fun. It's real. This mm -hmm. is a real thing. Um, and him dealing with this process, it, it takes a while. But the relationship that develops is interesting. And the codependency that starts to happen. Because once Paul gets exposed to Trellium D, mm. the script is flipped. And it's no longer about her saving Tucker. Tucker saves her there is this companionship that really begins to build. Mm -hmm. That's not this episode, but this is what this all builds it's into. building toward it, yes. Yeah. Um, I think so, that... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I'm just, I'm very happy with the start of this. Uh, the start of this and the dark tone that is going on in this and the real um, emotional repercussions that happen from a moment like this. And from a show that premieres right at that September 11th time. Uh, about two years after, yeah. Yeah, well, no, this episode, but the, the, well, the show, show. The show started yeah, a yeah. week after 9-11. This is something they know. Actually, this is two something weeks that, after 9-11. You know, being attacked the way it is, you can't deny that that was influenced yeah. by how many people who were affected by 9-11. This show premiered 15 days after 9-11. Mm -hmm. this episode came out almost to the date almost to the mm -hmm. two year anniversary of 9-11 yep this episode yeah absolutely yeah it's very much there um now let me let me sort of give you an overview of my feelings mm -hmm. I didn't particularly love this episode okay but let me sort of explain why I could be wrong. Or not wrong, but why I might need to have a little patience. Now, I haven't seen this season. Um, but what I can tell you is, if we cast our minds back to 2019, The Mandalorian premiere, mm -hmm. the fifth chapter of season one, called The Gunslinger was a chapter that a lot of people did not like at first. It introduced Amy Sedaris' telling Moto. Mm -hmm. It introduced some stuff with the Tusken Raiders. It introduced Denik Shand. It introduced a few characters and things that at first, when some people saw them, they went, I don't like this. A few episodes later, we started to get a payoff in Chapter 7, and in Season 2, and in the Book of Boba Fett, and now in Mandalorian Season 3. So, just because I didn't like this episode as a whole, 
I don't know how it's going to pay off. I mean, I know in a vague sense. I may, in watching the rest of the season, suddenly go, oh, now I get that episode. Now I understand what they were setting up. And that could be, as humans are inherently impatient. It's sometimes hard for us to sit back and go, okay, I didn't like this chapter, but how's it going to pay off down the road? And maybe my opinion will change. And that's where I stand right now. But I do like the moral quandary of this episode. That I think is really interesting. And any story that deals with the effect of PTSD, I think I connect with that because I've been there. Yeah. I've been there in some small way. It's relatable. Yeah. And especially if you put it in the context of when this episode came out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I for me, I like this episode, but I'm very familiar with this season. This is the good season. Yes. Like, I recommend to anybody, if they want to watch Enterprise at all, because a lot of it is, is mostly bad, bad publicity about it. I, I've seen a lot of season four, and I love season four. Uh, this season is great. This is the season. This is what started to give it a possible stride. Because I think those first two seasons... They have the general idea for the show. But maybe it was kind of like Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. Where at first it was like, okay, we have a really good setup. Now what do we do? Yeah. Broken Bow was a good setup to Enterprise. Mm -hmm. After that, it felt a little bit like, um, okay, let's start coming up with some stories. <laughs> Right. And I'm sure that that's not how they went and do it. That's how it just feels from a looking at the episodes. I'm sure they put a lot of care into it. Mm -hmm. It just didn't really connect with me until we got to the let's start telling some big picture stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I... I, I totally get it. And, the, you know, the thing with Enterprise in general is that for a lot of people, it's either just to take it or leave it. I really mm -hmm. think this season approached ideas that Star Trek had never done before. At but least not, so, not in an arc. I would go so far as to say I think this show is criminally underrated. Because mm -hmm. once you get to stuff like the Zindi arc, once you get to stuff in season four, like the the augments, the Vulcan arc, you know, the, the Cyrenites. Once you get to that stuff, it really takes off. Mm -hmm. It's like Next Gen or DS9. Mm -hmm. Once you get past the first two seasons, it really takes off. Right. Which, oh, I so much want to talk about today's episode of the card, but we can't say anything because we can't spoil it yet. Mm -hmm. 
I hope you agree. I do. No, I do. And can't, I'll say be... can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can't because it would kind of give away a lot yeah, yeah. this season. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> there really wasn't a lot to this that I disliked. I like, you know, I guess after coming off of uh, Cisco and because uh, I watched this after doing a full rewatch, not, not this time that we watched it, but in recent time in the last year, I did a full watcher of DS9. Yeah, I, uh, I think I watched the episode you're talking about. And then, uh, then I did year. Enterprise. Maybe this year. Um, so coming off of that, off of DS9, this really fit for me. I yeah, didn't yeah. feel this was out of place. It makes sense. No, we've seen people do this in Star Trek. Yeah. You get um, this idea that the Federation is a utopia where everybody has solved all their emotional problems. At least that was the kind of the original idea. Right. The best episodes are when we demonstrate that clearly that is not true. Mm-hmm. We even saw it in the original series. We see that humans haven't abandoned all their old attitudes mm-hmm. and the way we handle things. But that's just human nature. Right. It doesn't mean that change is impossible. It means that when push comes to shove, we all are capable of falling back on savage behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I love that. This this is one that like is a really good introduction into the darker side of Trek, and especially with Enterprise. I I don't dislike this episode, but again, I'm willing to admit that I'm biased through. The entire season. This yeah. season. And even I, though I didn't like this episode, like I said, give, give me more time and maybe once I see the rest of the season, I will change my tune. And I would love to talk about it after you had an opportunity to watch the entire season mm. back. Because it's it's good. It is. There's very little filler. Yep. All of it connects. And it really goes back to what made, I think, part of what made DS9 work. And that's that arc storytelling. It, it's interesting you mentioned the word filler. Mm-hmm. That's a word that gets thrown around, and it always reminds me of Inigo Montoya saying, you keep using that word. <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means, because this episode, even though one might be tempted to say, oh, it's filler, clearly it's not filler. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it has a connectivity to to the others and and by filler for my for the audience, I think a filler is anytime there's an episode that has no consequences in the greater pantheon. So there are lots of of I I would say a lot of TNG kind of would classify into this would be very yeah, so they're episodic shows so it's very fillery. Yeah, I and, and I mean well one, yeah. for the most part. One episode does not affect another. Yeah, and you, there are episodes that you can completely skip and it makes no effect on anything. Yeah, but DS9, DS9 had a healthy mm. mix of oh. filler and arc. Very yeah. much. There aren't many episodes in DS9 you could call filler. Uh, you know, and now Trek today when it comes to um, Picard, uh, Discovery, um, and even, you know... Even I, Prodigy. I, yeah, I think Prodigy definitely, Prodigy. and to a certain extent, Lower Decks. It's very arc driven. 
very much from the something that happens at the beginning eventually will make its way through and work through to the end. One of the things that I think I would apply to this episode, there has been, in my opinion, too much of a focus on plot. Mm-hmm. Plot is just the basic building block. The plot of Star Wars would be Luke Skywalker was res- res- rescue the princess. Yes. There is so much more than just that. So in terms of storytelling, stories don't always need to advance the plot if they advance the story. Because story is different than plot. Story is the emotional journeys of the characters, an understanding of the world. That's what story is. Ergo, even though this episode may have done only a little bit to advance the quote-unquote plot, which it did, mm-hmm. what it advances in the story is really what makes this episode work. Mm-hmm. It also has real stakes. This is the first episode in Enterprise. We're already in the third season here. Mm-hmm. First episode where a crewman dies on board due to hostile actions. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah, it, it hadn't Very seen that yet. Mm-hmm. And the frontier is dangerous. Yeah, and that's what this show is sort of supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Was the frontier of Star Trek. The beginnings of the journey into deep space. Mm-hmm. The beginnings of humanity learning to swim, basically without floaties, mm-hmm. or pedal without. Which the uh, Vulcans were like, afraid the humans could not do. Yeah, and and in fact, we learn in season four that the Vulcans are a little bit jealous of the fact that it took them thousands of years. It took humanity a century. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, right. First time the crewman dies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, real world effects. And I love that. I do. I mean, not that someone died, but this is real. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing I really love about this is it's another chance for flocks to shine for a little bit. Mm. Uh, going back to his interactions with Tucker. I love his interactions with Tucker because Tucker's having a tough time. Uh, he's been up for hours straight trying to make the warp core work. And the doctor, plain and simple, asks him, "How? when was the last time you slept? And he's like, I got some rack time for an hour. He's like, you know, that's not going to work. He's like, well, can't you just give me more meds? And the doctor's like, no, no. But what that's, I love about this, <laughs> no, what I love about this is, is again, He's handling an issue that um, that is existent today where people just want to solve problems with a pill or an injection or like it's not that simple. Yeah, it, it, for some people, a guy has a family member who has schizoaffective mm-hmm. disorder. Counseling isn't going to do it for her. Counseling and meds will do it for her. Well, he he. In my case, it was only counseling. Mm -hmm. 
he does something funny that i love flox does uh this is where he he suggests the vulcan neuro pressure Mm -hmm. uh he's like well do you have anything else and he's like i got these oh yeah Aldebrin Mudley. Aldebrin, by the way, connection. I got to come back to that. Yes. Uh, Aldebrin Mudleeches. And all you have to do is put one on your chest and one on your abdomen an hour before you go to your bed. And their secretions act as a natural sedative. But please sleep on your back. If you roll over, you might anger them. And Mm. Tuck's like, maybe an hour with T'Pol wouldn't be so bad. Mm -hmm. But I think that was, the doctor was being sincere but the doctor was also doing what he does best, mm-hmm. convincing people. And and, and the denobulans have very few inhibitions. So. Mm-hmm. so this doesn't bother him. This is, you know, hey, it is what it is. This isn't about sex. This is this is about getting better. This is what you need to do. Um, And so I, I love Phlox in this. Phlox's mm-hmm. moment, and it's a small moment. But again, it's that character with Flocks that I really enjoyed. Why it reveals more of his character. I why he's one of the top Starfleet doc. Well, he's not Starfleet, but the top Federation doctors mm-hmm. in in our our run of watching these shows. Yep. One of the best. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I've got to connect this. Of course, I said Uh-oh. Al Debrin. Uh, Al Debrin whiskey. Al Debrin whiskey. And where was the other time we saw that? relics with the Dyson sphere. Yeah, it is green. <laughs> so yes, uh these leeches that he's talking about are from the same place. Um yeah, uh it's this is this is really enjoyable. There aren't a lot of other like major connections that go about. Um the the pirates, the Assyrians, were originally going to be Orions. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not sure why they changed it, but at the last minute they did. And uh, oh, they go not. there in season four. Oh, but boy. yes, in season four we get more oh, with the Orions, boy. which I'm I'm very happy happy to do. Happy well, to they... mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and we get stem bolts. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan stem of DS9, bolts. you know about self stealing stem bolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the start with that. Uh, and this is the introduction of the spheres, mm-hmm. where the, the sphere builders become a major problem in this this season. Uh, so this introduces that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not the first time, of course, that we have dealt with these kinds of issues. Again, I referenced Voyager in the Void, uh, or even uh, concerning flight in uh, season four, mm-hmm. season eleven of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Both times, Janeway and her crew have are raided. Yep. So. Uh, those things are are all about uh, and there's a little Easter egg if you look fast enough. Um, so when you look at the sensor data involving the ion trail of the Osarian ship, mm-hmm. if you look at it quick enough, you will see the numbers yeah eight six seven five mm-hmm. nine. Not a Star Trek reference, but if you're a fan of Tommy Two Tone, you know what that number is. <laughs> A fun little Easter egg that that they threw in there, and I I like that. I always look for stuff like that because these these uh, sensor logs and the screens and stuff they hide little things like that all the time, and it's just fun to find them when you can. Uh, so that's in, very much enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I like I said, I enjoyed this whole season. I would love to just rate this whole season on 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 its its own because mm-hmm. from episode one all the way to the end, it's a, it's a ride. 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's an arc for everybody. And this crew develops their personality so well. Uh, and we get so many great experiences. Uh, this season, we see um, Seth MacFarlane is a Star Trek character. Yep. Is he in this one? He's not in this one. He's in two this season, I believe. Nice. Uh, he's a crewman or an ensign or something like that. He's an engineer. Uh, but, you know, this season offers so much. And the Zindi are fascinating. And we get more about the, the, the temporal Cold War. And this season does so much. And I can't give it away. Mm-hmm. But I like this episode. I very much do. But that's with the lens of knowing what the rest of the season is. By itself, it might seem a little off for a Starfleet captain to be the way they are. Otherwise, I enjoyed this very much. Yep. Uh, All right. Uh, Final thoughts. Don't skip it. Because it might tail. I I recommend, and I'll say this anytime we do do season three. This entire season you have to watch. Nice. Okay. I'll do that. Absolutely. All right. Well. Nice nice to have you recommend episodes to me. Yeah. No, uh, that's a rare thing. (laughs) It's very rare. But next week is a big deal to us. We've been been teasing this for the last few weeks. Next week, uh, uh, we move into Strange New Worlds and their season one finale, Equality of Mercy. Mm-hmm. This was the retelling or changed telling. Reimagining. Reimagining. Good word. Thank you. Of balance of terror. And this by it's a what if. A what this if is episode. it's a great what if episode that has real repercussions. Mm-hmm. I love this episode, putting it out front there. I loved balance of terror. When I found out this was a balance of terror, I went, hell yes. We don't cuss here, Me but too. This episode was worth a hell yes. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for us to get into it. But we will get into that next week uh, as we do. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, since we already talked about Balance of Terror. Uh, this will be really great to have a little bit of a comparison uh, as we go into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brennan, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brennan Mystical. You can find our podcast under the umbrella page turners they were not. On YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me here with, all, with Captain Ingle and also with the various other social groups that we frequent. You can find me on Twitch, on Twitter at Ingle 1984 uh, On Twitch, I am uh, I'm building up my Twitch presence again. I followed uh, you on Twitch. Mm-hmm. I think I did see that. I am taking on uh, the entire uh, 8 and 16-bit Final Fantasy series. Oh, my uh, so word. So 1 through 6, I'm taking mm. them on. Uh, I'm in the middle of one. I did a test run for about 20, 25 minutes. Beat the first boss. Uh <laughs> So uh I yeah, I, I'm building that up, but I want to build up my um kind of my setup. Sephiroth is coming. Eventually I'll get to seven. But I have to decide whether I want to do uh the remake of seven or just do mm. originals. I haven't decided. I have it on my switch. I have the original seven, eight, and nine on my switch. Nice. And I might go into that. I have and again, Final Fantasy 16 comes out later this year. 
I know. I can't believe that. But it's only going to be on the PS5 and the PC. Mm. I'm like, I my PC's not great for the newest stuff, so we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. But uh, that is where you can find me, uh, and of course on this podcast as well. Uh, but as we end every episode, kabra and live long and prosper. Peace and long life.